Have you ever had someone give you a gift and it wasn't Valentine's Day, it wasn't your anniversary, it wasn't birthday, it wasn't Christmas, it wasn't anything like that, and they gave you a gift? It's pretty cool, isn't it? Isn't there something special about when they give you a gift just because, not because they're supposed to on that day, but when they give you a gift just because, like, they want to give you a gift, you know? And there's, I don't know, there's something about that moment where you know, like, all right, this is cool, you know, um, this is a good gift. It's, I love when my kids say thank you. Do you love it when, you, you know, those of you who have kids, you love it when your kids say thank you? Isn't it because, you know, they're being polite or whatever, that's great. But it's even cooler if they say an unprompted thank you, you know. That's the best because then you're like, ah, that actually came from inside somewhere, you know. And it's the same thing, the gift that isn't given on the day that it's necessarily supposed to or the thank you that just comes out. There's, there's something special about that. Um, if, you're, if you've ever worked, ever, you know that there's a bunch of different kinds of employees, right? There's the kind of employee who's like really hates their job and that's just not fun to be around, right? <laughs> and then there's also the kind of person who, they're a good employee. They're kind of faithful. They punch the clock. They do what they're supposed to do and then they go home. And then there's also the other kind of employee who like loves their job, believes in the business and is gung-ho. Right, which and for any employer, of course, loves having that kind of person because they're doing whatever they can to help benefit the company. They're not just trying to do whatever they need for themselves. However, of course, you know, if a person's gung ho for their company and really likes their boss, but the way they do business is shady, that's not actually helping in the helping the company, right? Because in the long run, it's actually going to hurt the company. You see, when it comes to how we relate to each other, when it comes to how we serve one another, when it comes to all those things, there's two sides of it. There's that deep heart, the spirit, and there's also the truth. And last week we talked about the spirit and truth in worship and that when Jesus asked us to worship him, he looked at that woman at the well who her life was a total mess, but her heart was in a pretty good place, you know, but her life was a mess. And he, was, he basically said, I'm here for you. I love you. You know, I'm here for you. I got what you need. But you do have to realize there's some stuff in your life that's got to get in order, you know, and and you got to repent of that. And then there was Nicodemus, the guy who, you know, his life was all together and tight and he understood everything. But Jesus kind of rocks his world by telling him he has to be born again or something that didn't make sense because he's trying to get him to see it doesn't matter if you just know the right stuff and do the right stuff in here. You got to connect with me. You know, and so he's saying there's spirit and truth. But then there's this interesting thing that it's not just the way we relate to God is in spirit and truth, but it's also the way we relate to each other is in spirit and truth. Every time that in one of the epistles, in, in one of the letters from Paul, you take almost any one of the letters in the New Testament that Paul writes to the churches. And what he'll do is he'll talk to them about their relationship with God and how God loves them and how they're brought into Christ and and that they're redeemed by grace and there's nothing they can do to improve themselves in front of God. He loves them. You're brought into Christ. That's how he usually starts his letters. And then he gets into this spot where he tells them, since that, then this is how you should live with each other. And then he gets into this thing about holy living. And ultimately, it usually ends up telling husbands and wives how to deal with each other, kids and parents how to deal with each other, employees and employers or whatever, how to deal with each other, okay? That's what it does. But in the middle is this section about how we relate to each other. And every time that Paul talks about that, he talks about relating to each other on a heart level and on a mind level, on the truth and in the spirit. So we're going to pick one of them, and we're going to look at it for a couple minutes here this morning from Colossians 
So we're going to turn to Colossians in chapter 3, and our scripture reading is going to be uh, from the first f- number of verses from chapter 3 of Colossians. If you have your Bible, turn to that, chapter 3. If not, it's up on the screen. If you want a Bible and don't have one, in the back, there the red books are the Bibles. Please feel free on the way out to grab one and keep it for yourself if you don't have one. Okay, that's not stealing. We just gave it to you. That's a gift. You're not stealing Bibles, Okay. If you steal a Bible, I'm going to say I gave it to you so that you didn't steal a Bible. You know. <laughs> All right, we're going to read from Colossians chapter 3, and you know how we do here. Uh, can you stand with me in honor of God's word as we read it, please? Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its... uh, practices and put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in knowledge in the image of its creator there is here there is no greek or jew circumcised or uncircumcised barbarian scythian slave or free but christ is all and is in all therefore as god's chosen people holy and dearly loved clothe yourselves with compassion kindness humility gentleness and patience bear with each other And forgive whatever your grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen? You can have a seat. Let's pray. God, thanks for your word. Thanks for uh, the fact that it's alive and it's active and it doesn't just sit there cold but that it jumps off the page into our lives and it comes awake because your spirit is in it and moving through it. And so we ask that the words of scripture today would correct us, would encourage us, would inspire us, would rebuke us, would do whatever it is that we need today, God, because we want to walk with you and you give us these, this scripture to help us know how to best walk with you and to know you, God. So we ask that you guide us into it today in the name of Jesus. Amen. So, uh, you know, what this does here, this passage is it shows us, it says, Set your hearts on things above, not on earthly things, and set your minds on things above. In other words, in spirit and in truth, we're looking toward God. And then it gives us these list of things that are kind of the old life that that distracts us from it. It talks about sexual immorality. It talks about materialism, greed. It talks about all those other things that we want to chase in order to get our pleasure instead of chasing God, you know? And and so he says, get rid of all of them. But then he goes to the second level there. And he says, you got to get rid of a whole nother list of things. And those lists, that list of things 
isn't about our relationship to God. It's about our relationship to each other. Did you catch that? The second list of things that he says we have to get rid of, it says get rid of anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language, and lying. Okay? Who do they have to do with? God? No, they have to do with each other. Right? I get angry. I mean, I could get angry at God, but what he's really talking about is he's talking about the rage we hold toward one another. He's talking about, you know, the way we talk dirty, the way we like, you know, treat each other inappropriately, the way we talk behind each other's back, the way we deceive each other and lie to each other. We're treating each other inappropriately. And the reason that he's saying get rid of those things is like you've been brought into Christ. You're in the family of God. In my house, God's saying in my house, there are rules. And those rules are there for our benefit. Okay, this is how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to live a certain way when we treat each other. Now, why does God put the rules in place? Because did you notice that, what does it say is the one characteristic that that we're to have above all the other characteristics? Did you catch that? Love. Because love produces unity. See, when we love each other, that brings us together. But in the middle of love, see, sometimes we actually need education around what love is, okay? Because the heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all else. That's what the scriptures say. That our hearts will deceive us every time. The Holy Spirit, even the Holy Spirit, is like a wind that blows to and fro and goes wherever he wants. You can't figure out the wind you can't figure out the, the, the sensations of the heart. You can't nail down truth based on the heart. We need standards. And so the reason we need standards is because in my home, when I tell my boys to love each other, they have to know what love looks like. And so we got to tell them, this is what love looks like. You share, okay? It's not all about you. It's about other people too. And, and that we don't talk mean to each other. We talk nice to each other. Those things are to give parameters to show what love actually looks like, okay? This is love. When we love each other, it looks like this. And here are the rules. So when God calls his people out of Egypt and he's making them his people and making him, them his family in the wilderness, he takes them to this mountain called Mount Sinai and he writes on stone tablets these laws. And the first four laws have to do with how they treat their dad their spiritual dad, the father, God. And then the second set of laws have everything to do with how they treat each other, okay? And it says, okay, if you love your parents, what will you do? This is the fifth commandment. You'll obey your parents, okay? If you love them, you'll obey them. So in other words, if you're not obeying your parents, are you loving them? No, that's what he's saying, okay? If we're loving him, so, so this is, then there is the next one. If I love my spouse, what will I do with my spouse? Sixth commandment. I'll be faithful to him, right? I won't cheat on him. I won't run around on him. You know, I'm going to be faithful to him. They're, they're, it's, it's, it's me and you, boo. You know, like it's, it's us. You know, that's it. And nobody else. That's it. And there's that faithfulness. And, and we're not going to, in truth, I can say I love you and my heart can be all for you. But unless I'm also willing to do the hard stuff of being faithful, then I'm not actually loving you. You know, there are standards, and it keeps going. And, you know, it, there's some that seem like it should be self-evident, right? Like, don't steal or don't murder. Like, you can't love and murder the person, okay? It just doesn't work. You know, it seems like it should be self-evident, but the thing is, is that our hearts will really deceive us. They do this. If we, let, if we don't have the standard and we just say, you know, I know what love is. Well, 
me and my spouse, you know, we used to really love each other, but now it's not really working out. And I kind of feel this thing toward this person over here. So my spirit actually is going that way. So I think love would be to leave my spouse and to go over here with this person. Is that love? No, it's not love. It's not loving in truth. It may be that there's kind of a spirit part of it that yearns for it, but it's not actually loving in truth. And so when it comes to loving, we love in both spirit and truth. And first, he gives us the standards of what truth is. How do we love in truth? But what's interesting is, is it doesn't stop with just telling us how to live. It also tells us how we help each other live in truth. Look down in verse 16. If you look at verse 16, it says, let the word, that's the truth, let the word of Christ, let the truth of Christ dwell in you richly and in you, that's plural. That's not just in me and in you. That's like in us, in you, that's plural you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, church, richly as you do what? Teach and admonish one another, okay? Which means this, that to love in truth is not only to live the way I'm supposed to live with other people, it's to help them do the same thing. Okay, so if I have a buddy who's about to make a terrible investment and about to spend his money on something that I know is a scam, you know, but he's all gung-ho about it, I can be like, hey, man, whatever floats your boat, buddy, you know, go do your thing. I'm with you, you know. Is that loving him? No, man, you kidding me? That dude's about to throw his bank account away. If I love him, I'm going to say, dude, what are you doing? Don't throw your money down there. That's a terrible idea. You know, love necessitates in that moment, not just this feeling of support, but it necessitates speaking the truth to him, teaching and admonishing, saying, that's not going to work, man. That's not, that's not it. You know, if I have a friend who was in that situation we just talked about with the, you know, in a relationship that's not healthy and not good, I got to call him out on it, Right. And so in the church, this is the way it goes, where in the church, we're told that it's not only for us to live lives of love and truth, but it's also for us to encourage and correct and admonish admonish and exhort one another to live inside of that. That's this whole thing of confrontation too, you know? Confrontation's not cool. It's just not cool, you know? It's not. It's like, it's, it's tough and it's really hard to do it in the right spirit. If we have the right spirit, then it's very hard to confront. If we have the wrong spirit, then we shouldn't confront, you know? And when we want to confront, we shouldn't. And when we don't want to, we need to. That's kind of the way it works, you know? It's like junk food, you know? I won't explain that. I think you get it. Anyway, um, so what happens in confrontation? One of the great passages of confrontation. Well, actually, even before I get into that, you know, one of the scriptures that I hear people quote all the time is, um, is from Jesus. And it says, judge not, lest ye be judged, okay? And do you know when I hear that the most from people? When they're doing something they know they shouldn't be doing. And they're like, hey, judge not, you know, judge not, judge not, lest ye be judged. What's interesting is, is there's this lest ye be judged, which we actually automatically think that that means I should never judge because I never want to be judged. But the truth is, is that Hebrews, in Hebrews it tells us, Judge yourselves so that I won't have to judge you. If you would judge yourselves, I won't have to come with the righteous judgment. In 1 Corinthians, actually, Paul says that if we love one another, it's our job to help judge each other. And you're like, what? Really? I'll read it for you. It's right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. We went through it in our seven-month series in Corinthians. 
So we should have got that one. But if you turn with me real quick to 1 Corinthians 7 and you look at chapter, or 1 Corinthians 5, and you look at the last two verses, check these verses out, okay? It says, what business, it, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? People outside the church, not my job to judge them. That's not my job. Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside, but expel the wicked man from among you. Hello. Those are harsh words, aren't they? Those are harsh, harsh words. What's that about? Well, what this is, is this is about if, uh, if Jen and I decide that we're going on a diet, okay, and we're going to lose a whole bunch of weight, you know, and we're just going to be hardcore about it. Well, now, we're going to judge each other, okay? We're going to hold each other accountable. The reason we do this together is to hold each other accountable. We have a goal that we're going after, and I want her to hold me accountable, and she should expect me to hold her accountable. When we come into the family of Christ and we join as members of the body of Christ, the whole idea is we want to walk with Jesus, and Jesus is holy, and he gives us a holy life to walk in that's the abundant life. It's the full life. It's the rich life. It's the good life. Everything about, I don't mean rich this way, okay? But you, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the real life. And when we come into the church together, part of what our job is, is to not only live that life of love, but to hold each other to it and to say, we're in this together, you know, and I can't watch you go and invest that way and act like it's okay. We're not supposed to tolerate that in here. And when I say tolerate, I I mean, like, I don't want to see you go down that route, you know, and so we hold each other to it. Of course, there's a spirit that's really necessary in that, isn't it? We don't just go around slamming each other and, and locking and loading on each other. You know, that we're, we don't want to get caught in friendly fire and hurt each other. What we're trying to do is help exhort one another, correct each other, instruct each other, hold each other accountable. That's a lot different than trying to hurt each other and condemn each other. Have you ever seen, um, I, was, I was on a road trip out to see my brother in Cincinnati. He lives out, in, well, he did live in Cincinnati. He lives in Spain right now. But he was in Cincinnati, and I was driving out to see him. And, uh, and there was this billboard, huge billboard on the side of the road. And the whole billboard was flames, okay? It was like, it was just a fire. And there's this, like, path going down in the fire. And it said, do you know where you're going to go when you die? Signed, God. I was like, Wow. What church is that from? I want to go there, you know, like, you know, and the, the funny thing is, is, I mean, we know that, that the scriptures talk about eternity and it talks about consequences of eternity, about whether we trust Christ and follow Christ and whether we're apart from Christ or in Christ. But if you just walk down the, the, the road and you see this sign that says, where are you going to go with your, you die and it has fire behind it. I don't know about you, but the, when I read the Bible, that doesn't sound like the tone of voice that God says stuff in, in general. I mean, and so what I, what I wonder is, if we're loving in truth, you know, we're telling people the truth that there actually is things to be concerned about. There's consequences to how we live and who we trust. That's important. But it's really important to hear that in the right spirit. That this is a dad who's saying that in our family, here are the standards. And if you step out of those standards, if you walk across the street, I just saw Bruce Almighty the other day, again, that old that Jim Carrey movie about him being God for a minute. And he stands in front of, he kneels down in front of a car and he's like, smite me, almighty smiter. And a tractor trailer hits him. And the next thing he shows up and he's in heaven and he's standing in front of, uh, uh, I forget what the, who, which actor it was. 
Morgan Freeman, who's God. And he, sa- and he says, you know, he looks at him like, what? And he's like, you can't kneel in front of a truck and expect to live and tell about it. You know, he's like, I'm not smiting you. You just can't do it. And there's, there's kind of this thing with God where, you know, he's the dad who cares. And there are standards that are really important. And we need to continue to hold each other to those standards. But it's not God saying, I can't wait to get my thumb on you and crush you. You know, like, you know where you're going, where you're burning? You know, it's, it's not that. It's him saying, listen, this is very important. You need to hear me on this. I have given my life to save you. But you got to trust me. you got to trust me. And that's a different tone of voice than some random billboard of someone loving me in truth, but I'm not feeling the spirit coming from it. You know what I mean? With Jesus, contrast that with Jesus. Does Jesus get angry in the scripture? You bet he does, right? What's the quintessential moment where Jesus gets angry? Yeah, in the temple. And he takes the, the, he takes the tables. What would you do if the altar table right now had the money on it? And I just came in here and just went, rah, and like threw it, you know, and like money went all over the place. You guys would lock me up, you know. And, but, but Jesus, he gets mad in this moment, right? And he's expressing something. But don't lose Jesus' tone. He's loving them in truth. He says, we can't actually have presence of God with us if we're bringing all that junk up into the church. That's what he's doing. He goes into the temple and he's like, what is all this greed? What is all this junk? What is all this stuff? What is all this materialism, this injustice? You can't just bring that all up into the church and expect that we can still have the presence of God here. It doesn't work. So he overturns the table. But, but, but instead of just being mad at people and instead of being angry, do you notice what he does before he gets there? He sits up on a hill called Mount of Olives that looks over Jerusalem. And he's staring down into the city. And do you know what he does? He weeps. He weeps. And he says this. He says, oh, how I've longed to bring you under my wing the way a hen brings the chicks under her wing. But you would have none of it. And this is Jesus' heart. His heart is bleeding for his kids. And he doesn't come in angry and self-righteous and judging in that sense that we use it. But he does come in with a righteous judgment that says, kids, I love you and I've tried to nurture you. But if you will not turn, there will be consequences. And there must be consequences for your good. For your good. And that's the spirit coming in as a part of the truth. This is why... In, uh, in Matthew 18, where it tells us that if one of our brothers is in, is in bad shape, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to go and talk to them to restore them. If they won't listen to us, we're supposed to bring someone else with us and go and talk to them again. And if they still don't listen, we're supposed to go and get the elders of the church, and we're supposed to go and talk to them. I know some people use that as the, like, yeah, we should lock and load on people when they're living inappropriately. Well, come on. Like, we're all living inappropriately, aren't we? You know? And so we're not locking and loading, but it comes right that portion of Matthew 18 comes right after another passage, which is there's this good shepherd and he has a hundred sheep and one of them goes astray and he leaves the 99 and he hunts all over until he finds this poor little lost lamb and he picks it up and he brings it back. And he says, therefore, if one of your brothers is in sin, go and find them and confront them. In other words, if we want to restore God's people and heal them, and help them, and uplift them, then we also have to be willing to speak truth to them. And it's not just about me living appropriately, it's also about me helping you, and you helping me. And the spirit of that 
is that we have to do it. And the scripture says it here. If you watch what it says, first it was talking about, you know, that we have to teach and admonish and we have to exhort and all that. But then there's these other things that when you confront, you also have to forgive, you know? And when you exhort, you also have to bear with one another. So if I'm saying, all right, let's go, let's go, then I also have to be patient, you know, because God's patient with me. I can't get mad at you because I encouraged you to move forward and you didn't. So now I'm mad at you. No, I bear with you. God's bearing with me. And when, and when I confront you about something, I've already forgiven you in my heart, you know? That, that we're in a motor- now, that's different than tolerance. Tolerance means, you know what tolerance is? Denial. That's what tolerance is. Tolerance is when my kid comes home from school and something obviously happened. He did something that was inappropriate and I'm just kind of like, ah, whatever. You know, I want him to know that I love him so I don't want to deal with it. That's denial. That won't lead to good places. That's not loving in truth. It's only loving in spirit. However, forgiveness is a whole other thing. Forgiveness heals and it restores. It says what you did was inappropriate and it was wrong. It's willing to love in truth and speak the truth. But it says, but I forgive you and I let you go. I acknowledge that it was inappropriate, but I give, I I offer love over top of it. You know, love covers a multitude of sins is what the scriptures say. You know, love covers a multitude of sins. And so we love both in spirit and in truth. And, uh, and, and this is, you know, this is clearly where we can take a, uh, we can take a few notes from AA can't we? We should take some notes from AA. The church really needs to take notes from AA. When someone walks into a meeting and it says, and they say, hi, I'm an alcoholic. Um, my, My name's Tim. I'm an alcoholic, right? What happens in that moment? It levels the playing field. It brings me to a place of humility. And it says, we're all in this thing together. The point isn't judgment here. The point is accountability. So judgment in terms of accountability, not judgment in terms of competition and self righteousness. Okay, but we're not throwing out accountability. We're still in accountability. But by confession, we're saying we're in this thing together. Hi, my name's Tim. I am a sinner. I am a recovering sinner. God has freed me from my sin. He's broken the sin and and he's broken the chains of it off my life. But I need help continuing to live in that. And in the same way that it wouldn't be appropriate to bring a bottle of vodka into an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, it is not okay to bring a whole bunch of active sin going on inside the church. But what we do do is we say, hey, we fell this week. I fell, you know, I'm messing up again. And we say, I see it. I saw it. We don't like it. We're not okay with it. We're not tolerating it. We're not denying it, but we are acknowledging it. And we're saying, I forgive you. It's okay. There's grace. This is a a place of grace. Freedom reigns in this place. You know, like we just sang, showers of mercy and grace falling on every face. There's freedom. That freedom, this truth and the spirit, it starts with dad. He's the one who gets it for us. Okay. He asks us to love in spirit and truth, but he loved us in spirit and truth. The truth is, is we are free. That's the truth. We're free, right? Anybody see that movie, Lincoln? Crazy good movie. I was, uh, I, I saw it, and, and uh, Lincoln, he's standing on the steps of the White House, and he says this to the, to the lady who works with him, African-American woman who works with him, and he says, have you ever thought about what's going to happen with you and your people? after the emancipation, after the, the 13th Amendment is passed? And she said, look, we die. We have kids dying all the time fighting for freedom. We're not thinking about what we're going to do when we're free. We're thinking about getting free. Let's worry about getting free, and then we'll figure out what freedom's like 
after that. You know, we'll figure out what to do. And this is what Galatians 1 says to us. This is exactly what Jesus did for us. It says in Galatians chapter 1, Michael quoted it while she was leading worship. It said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by a yoke of slavery. How does Christ set us free? He dies on the cross. And when he dies on the cross, he breaks the moral code off of our back. And what does that mean? That those, those laws that he wrote engraved on stone, letters on stone, the Ten Commandments that say, if you obey these, then I will be your God. And you know what he does when he redeems us? He says, even if you don't obey these, I will still be your God. I have forgiven you. You are no longer obligated to live according to the rules of this house. You have grown up. You have become grown-up children, and you are allowed now the freedom to walk in freedom. For the sake of freedom, you have been set free. It's the right thing to set you free. And so now, whether you live according to this moral code or not, I love you. I love you. You are free. I will not hold you bondage by these laws or by these rules. It's like a child who, when they show up in the house, when my kids at my age live in the house, there are rules that they have to live by, you know, because... They're in our house. But when they get to be a certain age and they move out of the house, they are no longer bound by those rules. But if they have now understood the love of their parents and the wisdom of their parents, they might choose to live according to those guidelines for the betterment of their life, you know? And they might do that out of their own free will. And, uh, and so this is, the, this is what God does. The truth is he's freed us. His spirit toward us is he not only breaks the chains of slavery off of our wrists, but he adopts us as children and he loves us deeply. And that empowers us. It changes our heart. Because it's one thing to say, hey, you don't have to live according to the law anymore. Woohoo, party! You know, but what, he, what, what Paul says is, don't use, right here in Galatians, he says, but don't use your freedom to serve yourself again because it's going to be a self-perpetuating cycle. You're going to end up getting, being enslaved again to Satan. You know, he says, instead, use your freedom to love the Lord and to love one another. And we need help doing that because we're weak. And so he gives us his spirit to do it. The fruit of the spirit is love. Okay. And so what he says, even all the way back in Ezekiel, he says, I'll give you a new spirit. I'll, I'll remove from you your heart of stone and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit inside of you, compelling you to obey my laws and commands. Isn't that amazing? What he means is, you're free. You don't have to obey these anymore. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to write them on your heart. Now you're going to want to do them. Now you're going to want to do what God called you to. Now you're going to be like David, who's like, oh, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Instead of, oh, no, I don't want to hear the Bible thing. That condemns me. Instead, it's like, I want to know the principles of God because I want to walk with Christ. And he shows me how to do it. And those things that look like laws now look like helpful guidance in this relationship of love. You know, there's, I'll, I'll end by telling you this story. There's um, Chronicles of Narnia. Some of you have read Chronicles of Narnia. It's this awesome thing when C.S. Lewis creates this, you know, fantastical world of, of Narnia. And these kids travel from earth to this place of Narnia. And when they get to Narnia, there's all these different things, you know. And one of the things that's different is that the animals, they're not, they're not under humans, really. You know, like they're free. And so like horses in, on earth 
you put a bit in their mouth and, 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 you, and you have the reins and you tell them where to go. But when you get to Narnia, the horses talk. And the horses, you don't ride on their back, you walk next to them. But then there's these moments, you see, there's these moments where they go into battle or where they have to go across a desert or something like that. And the best thing is for a human to ride on a horse's back. And what happens in that moment is the horse, he's not a slave. He's not, he, it's not that. He kneels down and he says, you should get on my back. And he offers his back to the human. And it's a completely and totally different thing than having a bit in the mouth and telling the horse where to go and compelling the horse as opposed to a horse saying, why don't you hop on my back and I'll take you where you want to go. And you see, this is how it works. We can hear, oh man, I have to be faithful to my spouse. I can't, you know, I can't run around and do this or, or all right, I will try really hard to not talk behind your back, but man, you're an easy target or you make me mad or, you know, like I will, I'll work really hard to, I, I'll try to serve you and I'll try to do the right thing. But I'm telling you, the difference between that and saying, I don't have to live that way. He's already forgiven me. He set me free. If I mess up today and I live in a horrid and wretched way, he already loves me. He already gave me a place in heaven. He already wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. This thing, it has no power over me. I have no fear of the law. I have, I am no longer a slave to anything or to anyone. I am not a slave anymore. Paul says it like this. He says, I am a slave to no one, but I make myself a slave to everyone so that I can win as many as possible. He is compelled with love like a little child out of the gratitude of their heart saying thank you. Like an adult child who lives in wisdom, not because their parents are making them, but because they have found the wisdom in it. Like an employee who loves their job and is doing it, not just because they have to, but because they want to. the same way he's broken the chains off of us. We are no longer enslaved to the law and we are no longer enslaved to sin because we have been set free and he has given in our hearts the law written on our hearts by the spirit of the living God. Amen? If we struggle with either of those things today, if we struggle with either of them, we need prayer. That's what we need. If we, if we have wanted to be with God but have I had a hard time with the standards? You know, I, I, my heart really yearns for God, but I can't seem to pull it together, you know? And, 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 or if I have a hard time admonishing and confronting the way I need to, and I, I want to, you know, I, I want to help my brother and sister that way, but I'm really afraid of talking honestly. I'm really afraid of them not liking me if, I'm, if I get really honest, you know? I need help. I need the courage of God to have faith in him to, to be able to love. On the other hand, if I'm trying to do the right thing, you know, if I'm living the way I'm supposed to and I'm telling people what I'm supposed to tell them and all of that, but I'm having a hard time having a soft heart and really yearning for it and desiring it, then I need his spirit to fill me and awaken me to get me in the right spirit. I need to not be a billboard that says, turn or burn, you know? But you know what? There's also this other bumper sticker, and you might even have this on the back of your car. If you do, I'm sorry. I'm not a big fan. God loved the whole world. God blessed the whole world, no exceptions. You know what that is? It's a lie. I'm sorry, but he's just not going to bless Jeffrey Dahmer when he's doing what he does. You know? He says it. We need to love in truth. I'm not going to be blessed when I go the wrong way. It doesn't work that way. And we need to wave the flag and say, hey, hey, there's a better way. We don't want to be stuck over there. There's not blessing in that way. 
Don't be stuck there. God loves you and he has what's best for you. And you don't have to do it this way. He's already set you free. But there's no blessing on that level. The blessing is over here. The blessing is when you walk with Jesus. The blessing is that there is one way, one truth, and one life, one way to the Father through Jesus. You know, And the love still speaks the truth. And, and, and we're afraid sometimes to speak the truth because we're like, I don't know, like the Spirit. And we're afraid sometimes to let it go, to be patient, to be forgiving, to trust God, and to just care. And we need both. Love each other in spirit and in truth. If you need prayer for any of those things, if you need prayer for that, please just come and talk to one of the elders or one of your friends. You know, grab somebody and, and receive prayer for that. God's, God's here for us. He guides us along this journey. He's not coming with his thumb down, you know? He's not coming trying to crush anyone. He's inviting us in, saying, but this is the way, this is the way it's going to be if it's going to work. But I invite you in with full grace and full forgiveness. Amen? All right, let's pray.